0: Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hi there, welcome to session 102 of Selling the Couch, and happy 2017. It is so good to start the podcast back up again. I took a little bit of a break from uh, the week of Thanksgiving all the way through December because Crazy Me had not taken a single break except for one week in uh, doing STC. And I just thought for my own self-care and sanity, it was probably a good idea to take a little bit of a break. But uh, I feel great and looking forward to coming back and sharing lots of great conversations and lots of solo episodes where we can all learn to be uh, better private practitioners. So today, my guest is Kathy Hanville. Kathy is a licensed clinical social worker up in Albany, New York. And Kathy and I had actually connected probably, yeah, actually before we launched SDC, Kathy was the moderator of a online marketing group. And I had seen just how active Kathy was and knowledgeable she was when it came to websites, and more specifically, SEO, search engine optimization. And I was like, man, I should really have Kathy on talking about five tips to improve website SEO. So basically, what can we do on our websites in order to get found by those who we serve and the clients that we want to work with? Today's podcast conversation is just really practical. We will get right to it. We're going to break down this idea of SEO. What in the world is it? We're going to talk about keywords. Some of these phrases seem really intimidating, but please know that I have your back. We're going to break it down into language that's really easy to understand. We're going to talk a lot about how you can start to make some changes on your website in order to get found. I actually learned a ton of stuff on this conversation, and I'm incorporating a lot of that into my own private practice website. So here's my conversation with Kathy Hanville from GetDownToBusinessConsulting.com. Hi, Kathy, welcome to Selling the Couch.
1: Hey, Melvin, I'm so happy to finally be here with you.
0: I know we were talking about this before we got started, but I had reached out to you, gosh, probably, I think it was actually before I released the very first episode of STC. But you know, we had some personal things that came up, but I'm glad that we're making this conversation happen.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you for doing that with me
0: your wealth of knowledge when it comes to websites and what's working for private practitioners and all of these things. So we're talking all about the tips to actually improve website SEO. And I thought I would just start at a very basic level, which is what in the world is SEO? Like we see this term like popping up in all different groups and all of these things. But what exactly is it?
1: SEO stands for search engine optimization. And Essentially, what it is, is the techniques that we use in order to assure that our website comes up when people are searching for our keywords, which is something we'll talk more about as this goes on. So we want our website to show up on the first, maybe second page when people are looking for, you know, counselors.
0: Yeah, we're in depending on wherever geographic area, that right. In, right? Yes. And I guess I don't remember those stats offhand. But why is having that? Isn't it something like, What, 70% of people don't go beyond the first two pages or first page of Google search results, something like that?
1: Yeah, it's pretty high. I don't know what the exact number is. But I think the other important thing to recognize, because a lot of therapists still don't even have websites, is that, you know, the number of people looking for their healthcare providers online is, I think, somewhere above 80%.
0: That's crazy. So they're doing some kind of research online? Is that what? Yes, That's very interesting. And so then if 80% of people that are looking for services, they're looking online. And if you don't have a website, then they may not even know you exist. Correct. So just shifting a little bit, and I think you started talking about this, but why is something like search engine optimization important for a private practitioner?
1: Well, your website is a way for you to get clients and also You know, clients are also many times therapists shopping or looking for the best match. So your website is really important as a way to connect with your potential clients. If they can't find your website when they're looking for it, then you lose that potential connection and you're going to lose clients.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so basically, I think what you're saying is there's a good segment of society is now looking online for healthcare services. And if you don't have some kind of an online presence, especially a website, then there's always the chance that clients that could be really good fits for you, they're actually not even finding you.
1: Right. And the other thing is, is people, you know, can be competitive, too. So if they're looking at different, you know, therapists, especially if you're in a particularly tech savvy area, they're kind of, you know, you have to be able to sell yourself. So your website also not just do they need to find it, but it needs to pull those clients in.
0: Right. I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into this world of SEO especially as it relates to us as private practitioners. It's funny, I'm actually in the process of creating my private practice website as I jump in, so like I feel like I'm going to be taking notes as, as we talk as well. <laughs> Good. Let's start kind of at the top, you know, in terms of five tips, what's like the first tip that you would give to be able to improve our search engine optimization?
1: This is going to sound a little off because I think it's going to come across as more of a marketing tip, but I think it's so important. The first thing you really need to do is define what your niche is because everything will follow from that. In order to have good SEO, you have to have good keywords, You know, the the words that people are going to be typing into Google when they're looking for you. And, you know, I do a lot of trainings with therapists, and this is one of the things people struggle the most with. Well, you know, if I market just to depression, my anxious clients aren't going to call me or women aren't going to call me if I market to men, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, from what I hear talking to therapists, that's just simply not true. So defining your niche and then taking that and finding the keywords that those particular people will, you know, be typing into Google when they're looking for you. That, to me, is the first step of good SEO.
0: So when you're defining niche, I always like to ask this question because so for me, like in private practice, I'm going to be working with just entrepreneurs, right? So Uh have you found any sort of differences between like focusing like I am in terms of like focusing on a population versus depression or anxiety or, you know, in terms of SEO, does that kind of matter?
1: I think it can. I mean, again, it's sort of kind of thinking it through as to what they're going to be typing in when they're looking for you. You know, I work a lot with people that have experienced trauma, but when I did my website and my website has evolved over the years many times, but when I did my website, what I did is I really define anxiety as my niche. Why? Because people that call me, that's what they were saying. Most of my clients don't identify the trauma in their life that I call trauma. They've never called it trauma before what they say is, I can't sleep, you know, thoughts are racing through my mind all the time. So that's really how I sell it to them. So for you, you would have to kind of think about, you know, what are these people looking for from you? And, you know, how do I put that into words that they are gonna, you know, be typing into Google when they're looking for me?
0: Yeah, I mean, you just said something, which I think is like a really good pearl of wisdom, which is sometimes I think when we just because of our training, we can make assumptions about what Potential clients are looking for, right? Like, if we're a trauma right. therapist, they may not be using that language, right? But they may be saying things like, I can't sleep at night, or I keep right. thinking about my past, something that's happened in their past.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's something I kind of learned over time. I mean, when I talk to people about defining their niche, a lot of times what I say is, when you get that phone call from a potential client and you're excited about calling them back, what did they say to you that made you excited? And start there.
0: That's actually a really good exercise is to even like think about potential past clients you've worked with. Think about the languaging they've used.
1: Right. Exactly. That's a great point.
0: So you started talking about keywords and you define that, which is the words that folks are looking for. They're typing into search engines like Google. I wanted to go down a little deeper. So I've heard this, you know, this phrase of like long tail keywords and keywords and rank. like, tell us the difference between those two things.
1: You know, for us, I think a lot of it's a little different. I mean, most of us are going to have some basic keywords that are the same, like counseling or therapy. You know, you should have your location as a keyword. Your name should be a keyword on your About Me page. long-tailed ones are sort of like, you know, if you're in a competitive area, like I have very good search engine optimization in my city. Like I come up first page. My city has not a lot of therapists and probably even fewer on the, with websites, I moved from San Francisco, which has, you know, a ton of therapists. When you're looking at keywords, then instead of saying, you know, therapist San Francisco, you would then maybe say therapist mission district San Francisco, like break it down to location Mm because people want to be close to their home or close to their work. So the longer tail ones are sort of kind of the more detailed ones. And, you know, you may not necessarily you know, come up high for counseling in your area. But perhaps if you do grief and loss counseling, or you have a specialization like DBT, you'll come up for those.
0: That's interesting. So basically, in that exercise that you just mentioned, and this is really hard, right? Because we're looking at it from the perspective of, well, maybe even the better exercise is to think about like, what it would be like if we were looking for a therapist, right? So the things that we would put in would be things like therapists near you know, I guess for me, right. it'd be Northeast Philadelphia or whatever. It right. Is, right, right. So this might be a really silly question. But how do you actually find those keywords that people are searching for instead of just kind of guessing and, you know, shooting darts into the dark?
1: <laughs> well, there are keyword research tools out there. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I defined my, you know, my niche and who I wanted my ideal client to be. And then I just developed my keywords from that. Now, you could do a lot of research on what people are searching for in your area. But to me, that wasn't necessarily relevant because my ideal client, you know, is experiencing anxiety and, you know, has certain characteristics and is, you know, willing to come into therapy and do long term work and all of those things. So I just defined my keywords based on I want that client to find me. I work best with that client and I enjoy working with that client, which means I do good work and we both have a good experience. You know, you can do research. There's a bunch of keyword tools out there. I think Google has one to see what people are looking for in your area, but that's not something that I have personally really done spent a lot of time on. Because I also think with the SEO stuff, there's a lot of stuff out there, and you can also almost overthink this and overdo this. You know, I did the SEO for my site. I've come up, you know, on the first page. For the five years I've been in Albany now. I was I had a prior location. And I don't do a lot to maintain that. I have a good, strong site. So I don't believe in like paying somebody monthly to do this and all of that. I mean, we're not Amazon.com, you know, we just need to show up for our ideal clients.
0: I forgot. I think Google's is keyword planner or keyword, something like that, right? Uh, I think that's, yeah,
1: there's a couple of other ones too. I think I was actually going to write a blog post on that and maybe I'll be inspired to now get back to that.
0: (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah, I know Google's has one that's a free. Yeah,
1: most of them are free.
0: Right. I use one that's called Longtail Pro. That's a paid one. But that's one that I found helpful as well. But I think the Google one is, is a great one to start with. So you said earlier, you didn't actually use these kind of tools. But so it sounds like you did some kind of exercise like where either you wrote down your like the characteristics of your ideal clients or something like can you take us a little bit like behind the scenes into that like how you sort of thought about like what your clients might be searching for
1: Yeah I mean to some extent I probably sort of bobbled around a little when I moved my practice from San Francisco to Albany in 2011 you know I had a sort of market different and you know I did an initial website based on who I thought I wanted to work with and that has evolved over time and I do EMDR and you know I like to do that so that's when I started to kind of look at who's in the room and what did they say when they called me. I mean, that's essentially how I started. It's just kind of what did they say and who's my ideal client. I didn't actually do any written exercise. It was sort of, you know, to some extent sort of bumping along and changing my website as I sort of evolved as, you know, the business part of my practice and, you know, recognizing who I enjoyed working with the most and really focusing on them.
0: Yeah, I like that perspective. The number one tip is define what your niche is. And then what would be the number two tip that you have?
1: Once you do that is to use your keywords effectively. So what that means is there's different places on your website that you want to have your keywords. So the number one place and I think right now probably the most important thing for good SEO is to have your keywords in your page titles. And it's usually called page titles in the different, I use WordPress, but I know a lot of people use Squarespace, et cetera. You know, a lot of times when you build a website, the keyword for your homepage is by default home. And that's just a waste because nobody's going to search for home and want a counselor. So what I say is your most important keywords should be on your page title of your homepage because the reality is most people are not going to go deeper than your homepage, page. Some people will, but most people won't. So to me, your most important words are there. And one of your most important words needs to be your specific location. So for me, my homepage title is Counseling and EMVR Therapy in Albany, El Cerrito. And I may have had Richmond in there, but Google tends to put it down to 54 characters. So that's like the most important place with your keyword. Other places are right after that, there's a description. So when you do a search, you'll see like this first line there. And that's actually what the title is. Below that is the URL. And then below that is the description. So that's also another place where you can put some of your keywords in.
0: Right. So I'm pretty familiar with WordPress and you can definitely go into WordPress and change this up. Um, and it sounds like with Squarespace, yes. you can do the same thing.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I've worked with people that even have Wix and Weebly and those and, you know, pretty much on any of them, you can change that. Yeah. And in WordPress, most people use Yoast plugin to do that. And that's uh,
0: Y-O-A-S-T. I think they just changed it. It's Yoast SEO or something like that. Now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you put Yoast into Google, you'll find it. But yeah, that's sort of the number one plugin for SEO in uh, WordPress. And in the same location, generally, you can also change the page description kind of right below it. So and you um, would
0: want similar type of content, like, you know, I don't know, like, for me, I guess it would be my example it shouldn't be com forward slash home, it should be something like com forward slash counseling for entrepreneurs in Philadelphia or something like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would focus actually personally on counseling for entrepreneurs in Philadelphia and, you know, see how that is on 54 characters, maybe add one. I would actually, what I generally do is put my name as a keyword on my about me page so that if people Google my name, something comes up, but I'm not as interested for SEO wise for people Googling my name. I want to come up, but those people already know about me. I'm kind of more interested in the anxious people that are looking for help right now. So that's, why I focus on that on my homepage. Okay.
0: So then you'll put those kind of words like whatever it is, worried, anxiety, into the title of the homepage as well as the description section?
1: Yeah, the description, you get, I think, 154 characters. It's important to make sure that whatever you have on your page title and description is also in the content of the page that you're doing because Google wants everything to match. So, you know, one time in the very beginning when I was sort of messing around with all of this, I, you know, put some different words in there and Google actually just changed how they recognized it, which caused great panic for me. So making sure that whatever's in your title is also in the content of your page and the same with the description.
0: So the home page should be one and then are there any other pages where we should use keywords efficiently?
1: Every page should use keywords efficiently. The homepage is your most important page because the reality is, is you know, again, we're not amazon.com. Most of the time, what's going to come up and search for us is our homepage, not our secondary pages. But I have an anxiety page. So on that page, I focus my keywords to anxiety counseling. In particular, I work a lot with transgender clients. So I have a page specific to that. So each page should have different keywords that you're focusing on.
0: So then each page should have it and then blog posts should have it as well.
1: Yeah. Blog posts should also have it, you know, writing blog posts that are pertinent to the people that you want as your ideal clients is great. And then having it in, you know, whatever your blog post title is can also be helpful.
0: So I know that there's like this practice online of like keyword stuffing, right? Basically putting a bunch of keywords into these home pages or blog posts. And that's like very bad. Don't do that. Right. So
1: very, uh, very bad. Very, very bad. And why is that bad? (laughs) Google actually comes out and says they don't always say a lot about search engine because they like to keep their algorithms sort of secret, but what they say is most important to them is good content for your clients, you know, good content that works. So you have a list of, you know, some people still do it. It's very old school. On the bottom of the page, they have a list of like keywords. Google doesn't need that. You don't need to say counseling 25 times on your page for Google to recognize this is a good match for counseling. And they will actually punish, so to speak, a page and not have you show up if they think that you're doing stuff like that.
0: Got it. So you should, I think one thing I've heard, what I try to do is I try to, when I think of a blog post or a page, I just try to write naturally and then right. I will go and then add keywords after I'm done. Is that
1: right? Yes. I think that that makes sense because you, you want the post and all of your content to be really readable. That's the most important thing. So yes.
0: Awesome. I'm glad I'm doing something right here. (laughs) (laughs) So tip one was define your niche. Tip two was use keywords effectively. What about tip three?
1: Optimize your page speed. I think we've all had the experience where we go to a website and we start to load it and it's just taking forever and we click off of the website. Now, you have some power with this with probably more with WordPress than with other places like Squarespace and stuff because a lot of it's through them. But making sure that your page speed loads quickly. And Google definitely has a place where you can test that. So you can look at, you know, what they're saying about your website. And they do it for mobile and for desktop. So typically, the thing I think that slows down most websites the most is large pictures. So they take a really long time to load. So making sure you optimize your picture size before you post it.
0: Do you have like a recommendation in terms of like what optimal size for pictures should be? Or we shouldn't go bigger than this kind of?
1: You know, I think you can kind of look that up. I don't know exactly what it is. I use a plugin for WordPress that helps with optimizing, which I think is probably not known as, like, the best way to do it. The best way to do it is if you have some sort of picture editor on your computer and edit the picture before you put it in. Okay. And just to let you know, when I was preparing for this interview with you, I actually wrote a blog post about it. And so some of these links I'm talking about with you, I put on there so people could go back and reference them.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely link it here in the show notes. Uh, That's like super helpful, because I know this stuff can be a lot of technical stuff and we're doing it in audio. So it's not always the right. Okay, I do know, like, I use a website called pick resize to, you know, to make my pictures smaller. So that's a free site that I use. Thank you for that resource. So you said Google has basically a place if you just, I guess, Google it, <laughs> right? To be able to find <laughs> yeah, it. Google
1: PageSpeed, Google. There's also another site that's commonly used called Pingdom. That's another site that does it, and it's free. So you know, just to make sure that you know your site is loading reasonably. The other thing with WordPress in particular is having a I say cache plugin so that. What the, it does is it sort of stores, like, your homepage after somebody looks at it, so it makes it load faster the next time somebody wants to look at it if there haven't been any changes.
0: Oh, that's cool. Okay.
1: I just switched that, and I use W3 Total Cache as the plugin currently on WordPress.
0: W, and it's W3 Total Cache? Yes. Okay, awesome. And then in terms of, like, speed, is there, like, a set time we should be under, or how does that work with these tests?
1: I mean, I honestly think most of them say you should be under like two to three seconds. Most of those, Pingdom will compare you to other sites and they'll say you're faster than 93% or, you know, something like that. You know, Google does kind of, red light green light yellow light so with desktop you should definitely be able to get a green light (laughs) and with mobile it should be a yellow light because some of the stuff that they tell you to do is extremely tech complicated and not most of us aren't going to be able to do it but you want to kind of score in like the higher you know 70s for mobile
0: okay so we need to optimize our page speed and then what about tip number four
1: have a mobile friendly site. And, you know, I would think that this would be a given, but I just did a, I think it was an SEO class and somebody had just, you know, gotten their site made and the person who made it did not make a mobile friendly site. And this is actually one thing Google also has clearly come out and said, if your site is not mobile friendly, we will penalize you in your SEO.
0: We should probably take a step back. What exactly is mobile friendly?
1: It's having a site that works well on, you know, a mobile device, which again, You have to kind of understand that most people are looking for doing all the searching on their mobile devices. So it loads quickly and it it has things set up in a certain way that are just easier to navigate on a mobile device. The other word that's used is mobile responsive or just responsive website. So when you're sort of looking for a good theme or, you know, just sort of pursuing that, that's other language that is used.
0: I do know, like, I almost think of it like our smartphones and our tablets have almost become what desktops and now laptops used to be, in a way.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I actually use my iPad. I have a keyboard on it, and I use it as a laptop. Again, Google has a test, and it's just a pass fail test. Is your site responsive or not?
0: Okay. What about the last tip that you have?
1: Being active on social media, and this is, again, something that I think a lot of therapists I find are a little resistant to, you know, a lot of privacy concerns but it's good for a bunch of reasons. One, you can make connections like you and I made online. Two, it sends a signal to Google that you're a more reputable business and it's one of the things that they might look at in ranking your site. Three, if you're posting, you know, if you're writing blogs, which is also something, you know, that is good to be doing for SEO and building expertise, you can post it on your social media and then have it shared for there, which then drives traffic to your site, which then also is an improvement, you know, can be a signal looked at for SEO.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think those are all like, great points. So I think I've read somewhere recently that social media is not like a ranking factor, but it's like a strong ranking influencer.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is, is, you know, I have had therapists tell me they got clients from Facebook. So, you know, the world is changing, how we look for people is changing. So, you know, I think it's important to, you know, recognize that.
0: Yeah, You know, actually, it's funny, because one of the previous podcast episodes is with Michelle Lewis, who's a colleague out in Salt Lake City, and she runs Facebook ads for certain blog posts, or like, if she's done like video segments or news segments, and she'll run it to that page. And she's, you know, she said she's gotten lots of clients that way.
1: Right. You know, I had a client that I got sort of via social media, I was, you know, at this one place, I was posting on a local patch paper, and then had linked to a Twitter account and a person followed me. And when eventually they were looking for a therapist, they thought of me.
0: That's crazy. Where The world yeah, I know. is truly getting yes. smaller. Right?
1: <laughs> it very much is.
0: You just wrote a wonderful resource called the nuts and bolts of private practice. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: So... At the end of last year, somebody, a friend of mine was doing a conference that was sponsored by CAMF, the California Marriage Family Therapists, for students that were in, you know, school to be therapists, and she asked me to present on Nuts and Bolts. So I did an hour and a half presentation, and not to be bragging, but it was so popular. And, you know, I think the reason it's so popular is, one, I'm very good at breaking things down to, you know, the simplest form, and two, people are starved for this information they're just overwhelmed at starting their practice. And there's so many details like getting your NPI and your EIN, what's the difference and insurance or not, et cetera, et cetera. So what I did is I wrote this, you know, I call it a guide cause it's not really a book, nuts and bolts of private practice, where I just sort of talk about each of these little things you know, NPI, EIN. And within the book, it's, you know, downloadable as a PDF or a Kindle. There's active links. So if you want to get your your tax ID number, you can click on the link in the book and it'll take you right to the IRS page. You know, I personally think it's an awesome resource, but, you know, it's almost written like blog posts. So it's very brief. So if you want to, you know, a detailed book on private practice, this isn't it. But if you want to just sort of know all the little detail things that you need to know, this book, I think, is a great resource. And, you know, I do courses here, and I actually do a consultation group. And someday, I'm going to get tech savvy enough to do a webinar. <laughs> That's a goal. But, you know, I think it's just a really important resource when you're just starting out to know all these things. Because I just, you know, I didn't know I needed a business license when I started.
0: Yeah, I know. All the little stuff that goes into being a small
1: Right. Business. And there's a lot of little stuff.
0: <laughs> I love that you've put this together. And just, you know, having gotten to know you and just our conversation, like I know that you're very knowledgeable about it. And I know that you come from a place of wanting to give back in to help our field. So
1: Totally. I mean, you know, I laugh with people about like, when I started my private practice, I just sort of jumped into it. I had no plan. (laughs) And you know, to some extent, that's my personality. I just sort of go all in and it worked out for me. But it would have been helpful to have all the resources that are now available 15 years later. And I you know, I don't want people to make the same mistakes I did. There's no reason for that.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'll definitely link to the guide that you've created, Kathy. What are some of the best ways to get in touch with you?
1: My website is www.getdown2businessconsulting.com. I know it's a bit of a long name, but and two is spelled out T-O. And on the site, like I said, I actually just wrote a blog post. It's ready to go on five tips for SEO. So links to what we talked about today will be in there. And once you post the podcast, I'll link to that also. There's other contact information there if people want to email me or call me. I'd love to hear from people. Yeah,
0: sounds great. Technology makes us more connected than ever, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: Kathy, thank you so much for doing this. I'm glad that, you know, life has settled a little bit for you. and. I was like looking forward to this conversation. I'm just grateful that we were able to get it
1: to No, you. I'm really, I was really excited about doing it. And thank you for, you know, being patient with me and, you know, inviting me back later. I really do appreciate it. No,
0: no problem at all. Take good care. And thank you again. All right. Have a good day. You too. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kathy and... More importantly, I hope that it inspires you and it gives you some tips and ideas with regard to improving your private practice website. This was one of these episodes where I was like scrambling to take notes and be like, oh, I should do that for my private practice website. And I'm hoping that it's motivated you to do the same. Kathy mentioned a number of resources. You can find that at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number one zero two. it's crazy. We're at triple digits. Kathy also mentioned that she had written a blog post and also written a book called The Nuts and Bolts of Private Practice. I will have links to all of that in the show notes, which again, you can find at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session 102. Have a wonderful rest of your week. This is just so exciting to be doing the podcast again, and I'm just so honored to be able to serve you guys and excited for conversations that are going to be happening that I know that will help us and make us better private practitioners. Have a great rest of your day and take good care. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.